first reading for this second Sunday of Easter is from the book of Acts, the fifth chapter. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain and the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. And the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We write the Holy Gospel from St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. 
Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We can... Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, by the stripes which wounded thee, from death's dread string, sting thy servants free, that we may live and sing to thee. Hallelujah. Amen. I think everyone recognizes that we live in a world today where we routinely interact with people who believe all sorts of different things. They believe in different gods or say that they don't believe in any gods. People who believe in different standards of right and wrong. People who believe different things about how to organize a country and enforce its laws. And I just wanted to point out today that that is not something that is new. You see it in the scriptures. The Roman Empire was that kind of place too. And that the kinds of discussions, the kinds of differences and disagreements that we observe in our time, those same disagreements, differences, and discussions were going on in those days as well. And when you live in that kind of time and place, it can be easy to slip into silence about those kind of things. Because we all know that we have to get along with people who believe other things. And one of the ways to do that is to simply not say anything that could be controversial or offensive. And to be sure, there, are, there is a time when we should hold our tongue. But in both of our readings this evening, we have people with different beliefs being confronted with the Word of God, and especially being confronted with the risen Christ. So there are also times when speaking needs to be done. We have two different scenarios in our readings. In the first one, from Acts chapter 5, the disciples are brought in and they are asked point blank about the reason for their actions. So they give an answer. This is, this is a time when a confession is forced upon them. It, not in the sense that they, they wouldn't do it otherwise, but they were brought before a court. They were brought before a bunch of people, so they have to answer. Peter will later put it that Christians, you and I, should be able to do this. That when we are asked, we should be ready to give a defense for the hope that we have. You should be able to state in some form what it is you believe and why you believe it. The second scenario we have is in our gospel reading from John chapter 20. And this is not a compelled confession. Rather, this confrontation is done out of love. Jesus loves Thomas, so he confronts Thomas about his unbelief. And that kind of thing, I, I think, is often looked down upon today. After all, if Thomas doesn't believe, 
Why should anyone bother him about it? And furthermore, isn't that rude to do so? It's true that we cannot force anyone to believe, and there are certain, certainly ways that we could be rude, and we should avoid doing that kind of thing. But to never speak to someone you care about, about things that are so important, could that possibly be the right answer? In a book about Luther's theology, I came across this recently. God's wrath takes its most terrible form when God does nothing at all, when he remains silent and does not punish the sinner but allows him to go his evil way. By comparison, it is a sign of God's mercy when he does not let a man alone but strikes him with severe punishments. Our reason thinks that exactly the opposite is true. As long as God does not send man a hard fate, get in their way, knock them down, they go their way hardened and secure. Now this is a brilliant observation, and as he points out, it is so opposite to how we usually think in our culture today. Thomas doesn't believe, forthrightly, does not believe one possible and in many ways, completely appropriate response from God would be to just let him go on, unbelieving. That would be perfectly just. Thomas would get his way. But out of mercy, Jesus appears to Thomas. Jesus confronts Thomas specifically with the truth of his resurrection and Thomas's unbelief about it. Just as there are times when a parent will set a child down and explain something to that child that the child may not want to hear, but the parent does it out of mercy. The parent does it out of love. And there's no greater thing for a parent to teach his child than the Word of God, both God's law and his gospel. And in a world that is full of so many lies, a world that is full of so much danger, a world that is full of full-on cultural campaigns for things that are contrary to God's word, it is important for parents to do this kind of thing. It is also important for others who love someone to do this kind of thing when they see them being led along by the trends and the catchphrases of our culture. So it is important to say things like, no, Love is not love in the way that that is bandied about today. No, it is not true that all roads, it is not true that all beliefs, all religions lead to heaven. No, it is not okay to think that you could do whatever you want and just assume that God is going to be fine with it. We, we need to say things like that because none of those things are true no matter how many times the world repeats them. And we can and should say these things because we know that God teaches us differently. And you might get a response that's, that, that's completely negative. That is totally negative stuff. Take it, fine. If you want positive things, look what it is that Thomas confesses after Jesus confronts him. Yes. Jesus is Lord and God. The one who died for our sins rose from the dead. 
He is the Lord, which means he is the one who is in charge of everything. He is the divine son of God. This is exactly why the church proclaims the full truth of God's word in season and out of season. It is an act of God's mercy. Both the negative things and the positive things. The world may not want to hear it. The world may not believe it even after you say it. The world may even think that it is bad when you say it. This is what we see in Acts chapter 5. The priests and Sadducees did not believe that Jesus was the Christ. They had him crucified for saying things like that. But Jesus rose again. This is what we just celebrated last week. And he tells the apostles to go out and proclaim that. He tells the apostles to go out and call people to repentance and the forgiveness that we have in our crucified and risen Lord. What Jesus does with Thomas's unbelief, what the apostles do before the court, is what the church does to the world. It, it forces them to reckon with the risen Lord. Forces them to reckon with the one who was crucified for sins but rose again. The one who sends out the apostles to call people to repentance and forgiveness. That kind of thing may be maligned by the world as all sorts of things, but the truth is God's word. The truth is that sin results in hurt, that sin results in death, even if you think you have good intentions for them. The truth is that we are all sinners whom God could be silent to, could let us continue in our sins, and then justly sentence us to hell. But the truth is also that he sent his son for sinners, that Christ died for our sins, he rose again, that we may call upon him and be saved. And to acknowledge that before others is not wrong. It is loving. It is what we are called to believe. It is what we are called to confess. Tomorrow is Confirmation Sunday, and the confirmands are going to confess that very thing. And they're going to confess that because we have come to see Jesus as our loving and forgiving Lord and God who brings us his peace, the peace of God which passes all our understanding, but guards and keeps our hearts and minds in him forever. Amen.